Was it politics that killed the Tegna merger with Standard General? Keith, nobody's watching. Audiences are down, as you know, another 15% this year. Local ad business is down too, but TV stations still get unbelievable prices. And my question is, has the Coyote run off the cliff? And Keith has some feedback from a listener, and he digs into what's going on in Las Vegas with Beasley. All this morning on Media Insultant, and good morning. We are back with another episode of Media Insultant. Our opinions, comments, ideas, and snarky comments. In Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver, and in sunny Southern California, it's none other than Mr. Keith Samuels. You can wave now, Keith. <laughs> good morning, Jackson, and we're still we're in that part time of year where it's the June gloom. Even though it's late April, it's still a little bit of morning marine layer. Then we uh, warm it up, have a little bit of a heat wave today, tomorrow, and Saturday, and yeah, it's the perf- it's the best time of year in Southern California. Well, we'd like to welcome you to Media Insultant and Weather Forecast <laughs> for this Wednesday, April the 26th. Thank you, Keith. This is Media Insultant. The NAB show is history, and uh, if you didn't get there, frankly, I don't think you missed much, with the exception of uh, the impact AI is having. That was, there was a lot of buzz about some of the new AI tools that were floating around on the floor. I will say this. The one thing I missed about the NAB, which I've always enjoyed more than anything else, is the camaraderie and shooting the shit with other broadcasters and vendors. That's certainly the best part of the conventions. And you've got a special spot that you like to hang out in that you think is the best spot to bump into everybody. Where is that? Yep. Yep. It's like a, a broadcaster's trout farm. I mean, you know, you just put your hit hook in the water, you're going to get a fish. And it's the bar in between the win and the encore. And this bar, if you're going in between one of those two hotels, everybody walks through there and everybody meets there. There's a coffee bar. There's a bar bar. Uh, the bar looks out over the pool which, you know, is pretty interesting as well. And, yeah, it's a great spot because everybody walks through there. Everybody meets up with everybody else. It's like Grand Central Station for uh, for radio guys. But I've got to say, I mean, you know, I've got a good friend who went to the NAB, and he's like, I don't even want to go. I mean, it's like, I don't, know, I don't need to do this. I mean, you know, we can do this all remotely. I mean, it's not that big a thing. And so unless you're a, a technology shopper or buyer – where you're, you know, you got to go see the latest cameras and the latest, you know, backhoes that dig up cable trenches and, you know, all that stuff. For for sales guys, you know, for uh, station guys like us, you know, not, you know, what, what do you sit around? You sit around and watch a couple of salespeople from Zimmer and Cox talk about how they had success stories selling HVAC and plumbing. You know, six, I mean, dude, I, you know, I don't need, I don't need to go to the NAB to hear that. I know what's going on that. With that yeah, stuff, there's so. there's, there's an, uh, an awful lot of rinse and repeat. I don't think there's any question about that. And a lot of you rah rah, but you know it's okay. It's it's kind of fun, and uh, and I always enjoy the people. So, well, and well, I do, do too. But but Erica Far- Erica Farber was hosting all the uh, RAB stuff. So good for Erica. We love her. She's a friend of the show. But it just it just doesn't have the. Uh, the cachet and the meaning and the importance that it used to do. That it used to so, have. I think that's, have, I think yeah. that's true. 
Well, all right, Keith, uh, let's get into this uh, show for this week. A couple of weeks okay. ago, we commented on a huge format change here in Seattle. Uh, major markets don't have format changes very often. Hubbard's country station, The Bull, uh, which uh, uh, had been competitive with Odyssey's The Wolf, dropped that country format and became KPNW with kind of a Seattle-centric AAA format. And uh, they rolled it out with a very laid-back effort. They switched just one Monday morning for with no fanfare at all from Jason Aldean to Steely Dan and Ry Cooter. So it was you know, kind of a, a train wreck from that standpoint. No personalities, no killer imaging, no external promotion, or, or at least that I saw. I'm not in the demo, so but at least that I saw. And how do you think a rollout like that with a major format change – on a full-power FM major market station would perform. Keith, what do you think? Oh, I think, uh, let's see, what did the bull, what was the bull share when they killed it? When they yeah, uh, In the threes, 2.5 to 3.5, somewhere there. Okay, well, I'm going to say safely because it was only three weeks out of four that they were in the format. And, um, you know, you're, it's a drastic music change, so you're, you're losing every listener from the bull, every listener from the bull. i got to figure it's got to pull a... Low one share, one two to you know one three, you know one four maybe you know just out of curiosity. Well, I think, and and we could go back and dig into this, but I think that they their first book was a partial book, and they did get about a one two one three. But I think this last book, or this last monthly, was just the KPNW format. I could be wrong. Okay. Whatever the okay. case. All right. Whatever the case. Either way, they opened with a zero point three. A zero point three uh, six plus. I, I, now I don't know. I've never seen a format change debut that low in ratings. Have you, Keith? No, yeah. and yeah. unless unless somebody went like religious program, you know, it was like oh, just sure. a complete drastic kind of change. That's horrible. <laughs> That's a yeah. disaster. Well, but you know, I mean, the fat lady hasn't sung. I mean, it is one month, so you got to give them a little bit of a chance and. You know, the thing that thought, uh, occurred to me as I was talking to you about this this morning is they talked about how much they researched this. Oh, yeah. But oh, maybe yeah. the research oh, yeah. we've come to count on, the research that has developed formats and playlists and all of this data over the past 30, 40 years in our business, maybe it doesn't, doesn't work like it used to. Uh, or maybe the – yes, maybe it doesn't work like it used to. Or maybe you just don't have the guys that used to do it really well. Like the research group, those guys nailed it because those guys weren't afraid to tell the station people they were full of shit. They would tell, you know, no, no, it's not there. I know you want to go AAA, but it's not there. We didn't find it. There's no hole. But, you know, again, I think there's no research people with the cojones left to tell a broadcaster like Hubbard and their you know regional PD in Seattle that they're full of shit. So you know go ahead and yeah they believe they believe they're bullshit and off they went. But the other part of this too, Jackson is is look over at, at your buddy Jack Hutchison over at Odyssey and he's got the wolf, right? He's got yes, the wolf. He does. This is the bull that died. He's got the wolf, and now the wolf. Odyssey killed uh, KMPS, correct? They did. They did. They yep. moved it to the they sound. Killed, Renamed it the Sound, right? Uh, at at ninety four one, and then and and then uh, Hubbard kills the bull, which was the kind of the, the flanker to the wolf, and now the wolf's the only country station in Seattle Tacoma. It's amazing. Yeah. There and their and their numbers went. They popped. They popped a bit, yeah, they, didn't they? Yeah, I think they. 
I could be wrong, but I think they hit close to a seven. Yeah, they they really wow. had a, had a great wow. jump. That's and good for them. Those are they're good guys over there at uh, at the Wolf. But uh, you know, the other thing coming back to the research element, you know, thirty years ago we had a hard enough time developing uh, developing a, a core group of respondents, and I'd argue that today it's got to be harder than ever. And so when research goes a little skewy one way or the other. That's why I say I'm not, I'm not sure that research works anymore. We've got more tools with the Internet and that kind of thing, but, you know, it comes down to looking for a hole in a market. I don't know how you get a respondent pool that gives you an accurate answer. But that's a discussion for another time. Let's, let's, let's move on. I had another quick thing. We talked last week about uh, Cox selling their Houston stations to Urban One for, what was it, $27.5 million dollars? And we yeah. talked about the fact that Urban One now had an opportunity to sell two of the stations to meet the FCC requirements, and so that would even lower the price of their facilities in Houston down below the $27.5 million, which we thought was a steal to begin with. So they announced this last week that they'd sold KROI for $7.5 million to SBS, mm-hmm. and so that effectively brings the price of the Cox stations down to $20 million. <laughs> And they still have, uh, and they still have one more to sell. They have KTHT, which is a full C at a couple of thousand feet, but it's a rim shot into Houston. It's it's really not a, a major market coverage signal. But whatever they get, a couple of million, million. We speculated a lot less than what than what uh, Urban One got out of KROI. That's going to reduce the price that Urban One pays to get into the Houston market. Now that to me. In my humble opinion, makes that the deal of the year so far, Keith. Get into Houston, Texas, well, with less than twenty million dollars. Jeez. Yeah, with uh, with with three three real good formats. Um, you know, right. so that's that's yeah, that's a, it shows you that Cox is Cox is trying to get out of radio. That's one one clue from this, and two is that Radio One made a made a great buy. But here's here's SBS trolling along behind the boat. And they're picking up all these ex-Cox stations. They picked up an ex-Cox station in Orlando, an ex-Cox station in yeah. uh, in Tampa, and you know we had all the furor, you know the furor about that, you know, because Cox was being racist about how they were selling it. And then and now they pick up one. They technically are buying it from Urban One, but they're basically buying it from Cox. I mean, this is this is you know, it's they're buying a Cox station. Well, no, they're not. They're buying KROI, which was the Urban One station. But, yeah, so um, what's interesting about – so that's funny that SBS is kind of following Cox around and picking up um, you know, stations in their markets. But KROI was bought 19 years ago by Urban One. You're talking about the deal of the century uh, or the deal of the month or the year. Uh, they bought that station, KROI, and I think it's, what, 92.1? Yes, 92.1, right. Uh, in 2004, they bought it for $72 million. $72 million. It shows you how the valuations of radio stations have just plummeted over the last couple of decades. And now, uh, you know, they sell it to SBS for, for uh, you know, uh, 7.5. So that's, you know, they're probably thinking, well, yeah, we sold it for a tenth of what we paid for it. Brilliant. <laughs> well, I think most of the, there are very few buyers in the market right now. And I think uh, companies like Urban One have a feeling that they can ice cube this out over the next 10 to 15 years. And, you know, it, 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 it's interesting, too, because to contrast what's going on in the radio market, by contrast, 
in February of 22, about 14 months ago, a TV station operator, Tegna, which we've talked about, sold itself to Standard General for $8.4 billion. But it was a, a problematic transaction from the beginning, Keith. We talked about the convoluted ownership structure, and we observed that that's going to be a real obstacle, could be a real obstacle, for the FCC and the Department of Justice. But maybe that wasn't the only thing that stood in the way of this transaction, which appears to be unraveling now. Here, Keith, politics? Is that possible? Are there politics involved? Well, according to the Wall Street Journal editorial board, yes. You know, they, they go back and they tracked in a, in a March 22nd editorial about this deal, about, uh, about one, about how rare this kind of media, uh, uh, this review of this deal uh, this administrative hearing that the FCC uh, requested be done is extremely rare. But basically, the, the FCC is, does not have the power to kill this deal. Okay, But under the uh, 1934 uh, Communications Act, it lets the agency block the transfer of station licenses it finds don't serve the public interest, convenience, and necessity. Okay? You know they don't have they can't block it they can just make it a big problem okay and so when you rec- when you ask for an administrative hearing and in the last 30 years no broadcast license has ever completed the hearing process in less than 358 days okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so this deal has an expiration date on its financing from uh, standard general and Apollo Apollo um, right yeah, that is like uh, May 22nd. Their deadline to do this deal and keep the financing is the end of May. Essentially asking for an administrative hearing is, is a kind of a backdoor way of, of, uh, of killing the deal because the financing is going to expire and they'll never get to it. But what's interesting is, is that they're linking the donations made by Byron Allen and, uh, and what he did prior to the midterm elections because he was a jilted bidder for Tegna. So he, he, he wanted to buy Tegna, and he couldn't put the financing together enough. And, and Standard General, with backing from Apollo, outbid him and got the deal. Okay? So he didn't, get, he, didn't bring, he, didn't, he didn't offer enough to close the deal, and so off he went. In the meantime, he's, he's doing all these donations to uh, Nancy Pelosi's campaign, uh, Democratic PACs, the campaign, Democratic Campaign Committee, Nancy Pelosi's Victory Fund, and... Uh, uh, December uh, 2021 to the Democratic Congressional Campaign. So he's, he's loading up on, on uh, some congressional uh, donations. And sure enough, a year later, after the midterms, you know, he pumps some more money in. And so the, the journal is going back going, you know, basically he put in enough money to ask for some favors to be uh, brought in that says, hey, let's take a look at this deal. I think maybe you should do this. So Pelosi... And the chairman of the uh, House Energy and Commerce Committee, Frank Poloni, sent the FCC acting chair a letter praising the agency's decision to seek more information and to do a more thorough review. So they're all there. So basically, the journal's going, "Listen, we weren't born yesterday." You know, a jilted, a jilted bidder donates a ton of money to the Democrats in Congress, and he gets them to kill the deal. And that's essentially what they're saying. Listen, I'm a huge uh, free market guy, and we've talked about this uh, a couple of other times. I still think that uh, Apollo, 
Apollo's involvement in financing this, because Apollo also is the finance money behind Cox, creates a scenario where there could be a real serious uh, ownership ex- uh, ownership issue. In other words, Apollo tied in with Standard General tied in with Tegna, has far more television stations than the FCC allows. They created that environment. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. But I, that's a real interesting theory on on Byron Allen, because you're right, he's been jilted a couple of times at the altar. There's another uh, v- variable in this, too. I'd argue that Apollo, uh, which is a PE firm, and they provide the financing for this whole deal, they may not have wanted this deal to go through either because they made their original commitment in February of 2022 when interest rates were 2 and 3%. And interest rates today have doubled or more than doubled since then. And PE firms make money on a thinner margin than VCs do. So as a result, they probably are looking at this and going, I'm not sure this is going to pencil. Because they they made that deal so long ago, and eight and a half billion dollars is you know that's that's a nice chunk of money to be borrowing you know yeah no it's very true and I think you you, know, you may very well be right you know we'll see how this plays out uh, because this deal in a couple of weeks is going to be dead um, and so we'll we'll see um, the the situation you describe with interest rates and the cost of money and so forth is also going to affect Byron if he did want to put another bid in right That's I mean right. it's not going to be it's not going to be any easier for Byron but I think Byron's point and we've seen his motivation and how he sues clients like McDonald's and everybody else that doesn't buy enough airtime on on minority on- owned broadcast companies that's right or broadcast stations that you know he's you know he's he, i think he's just going to be happy enough if the deal just gets uh just gets, gets, gets canceled yeah gets scuttled so it's like okay yeah told you told you so, well and, you know, and we'll see what happens it uh, tegna walks away with a hundred and i think 136 million dollars in a breakup fee that's that's a nice addition to anybody's bottom line yeah oh yeah yeah that's that's no problem uh, at all well, and, and along that same line, you know, we see this, uh, you know, the, the prices of radio stations going down. Prices for TV still seem to be just crazy. You know, we just saw this last week that Hearst bought KBBH, which is the NBC affiliate for Southern Florida, down around Fort Myers and Naples, Southwest Florida, for right. $220 million. Now, there's some real estate thrown in, and uh, there's an ABC affiliate thrown in. Still, they have a combined revenue of uh, 59, almost $60 million. So, Keith, why? Why in the world is Hearst paying so much money for a television station in a day and age when the audiences are off 15 20% every year? Local news has just been gutted. You know, the, the, the entire business model is being turned upside down, and the only real revenue that's still solid for the time being is retrans. So what's going on? What do you think? I have no idea. This deal <laughs> to me on paper and what we read in the trades is insane. This is an insane deal. This market is market 55. Right. It's not a top 50 market. It's not a top 25 market. It's not a top 10 market. It's market 50 effing 5. It's got 600,000 people in the DMA. I'm sorry, 619,000 people in the DMA. That's $330 per person in the DMA. I mean, the market isn't big enough. It doesn't make any sense to me. There's three markets in Florida. 
There's Orlando, there's Tampa, and there's Miami. And everything else is, is well, maybe Jacksonville. You could throw in Jacksonville, but most people call that South Georgia. Okay? And, you know, and the panhandle is Lower Alabama. They call that L.A., Lower Alabama. So really, Fort Myers, Naples, great. That's heaven's waiting room. It's old demos. It's retirement. It's the very sleepy part of the Gulf Coast. I don't see where the growth is going to come in, where the because everybody's going to Tampa or West Palm or Orlando. I don't see how this deal. There's something about this deal we don't know that makes 220 million make sense because it doesn't make sense at all. From from a cash flow standpoint, that's that's right. From any standpoint, I mean, it just you know, shit. I mean, it's like a couple hundred grand more than this, you could buy in L.A. I mean, you know, come on, it's not it's not that. I mean, this is just this is crazy. Well, the thing there are a couple of variables we don't know. We we don't know what retrans contracts call for, so that that is a, a good possibility. The other part of it is, yeah, but, you we know, know, I, but we know I, the cable guy. We know the cable guys don't want to pay retrans anymore. You know, that, those true. aren't going up. Those are not going up. That that is true. But you know, these are the same people who tell you next gen TV is going to save us great gobs of data. <laughs> but I I'd argue that it's a more desirable market than you're giving it. And here's here's something else too as to the to the secret in the radio and TV business. When these markets have a hurricane or a tornado or a natural disaster, they make bank selling advertising to the insurance companies and to the uh, contractors in the market. It's amazing. You know, the insurance companies come in and just write checks because, you know, here's where you go to get your, your claim. Follow this uh, direction. And they make a lot of money. Um, you know, I, I've got a friend who lives down in Fort Myers, and he said all the radio and TV stations just are making bank after Hurricane yep. Ian. Yep. So maybe their yep. assumption is oh, there'll be every every five years there'll be a hurricane that comes through and wipes out Fort Myers, and they'll make bank with the insurance companies. I don't know. It's it's, it's still more a stunning like every, figure. It's more like that. Ian was a really weird hurricane. Okay, and you know these these things happen like once every twenty years on south southwest Florida from Tampa to down to Fort Myers. So it's a rare occurrence. Not like Miami. Not like the Panhandle. Okay, that's one thing. But you know, there, there's got to be something else, Jackson. So if any of our listeners have a clue about why this is happening, why someone would pay that much, yeah. I'd love to hear it. Yep. I'd love to hear it. Well, we got to move on. And, and speaking of uh, listeners, uh, you had some great uh, feedback from a uh, media consultant listener uh, from a situation that was under the radar at iHeart. What's going on? Well, while you were gone on your extravagant European vacation, um, <laughs> I was home tracking all the iHeart cut, you know, cuts. And, uh, you know, so, so really beginning back in, in, in mid-March all the way through, you know, to today, you know, iHeart slashing and burning a lot of jobs and, and, and frankly, a lot of long-term employees in important jobs. You know, this isn't peripheral talent or whatever. These are, you know, program directors, uh, morning teams, uh, afternoon drivers. Uh, what jumped out at me was the legendary Jack Harris, who's been on, uh, you know, been in the radio business for 50 years in Tampa. He's like the voice of news, the voice of God on Tampa radio, WFLA for iHeart. He got retired. <laughs> he, just, he goes, whoa, I guess I'm retiring. You know, they, they let me go. So um, one of our listeners got a call from a VP of sales in one iHeart market and her position overseeing revenue for two stations in a top 10 market, okay, was eliminated. 
Yikes. Uh, this was back Yikes. in late March. And so his comment was, it sure looks like they've run out of sales assistants and street team members to eliminate, and now they're going after some high-priced talent. So, you know, we're seeing that, uh, we're seeing that all over in iHeartland. So bless all of you that are still are clinging to your jobs. And I know it's tough for those people because they don't like to let people go, uh, but they've got to. So, well, it's in and in it and it seems to struggle to be a, a dark time for anybody, even in in a senior management sales management role. You know, that's just you know the, those positions we've always considered to be somewhat isolated from some of the reductions, and they're not. You know, the concept was well, I can sell a company, I need somebody to sell, but that's less and less the case, and there's less and less leverage. And if AI takes off the way they're talking about, probably aren't going to need any of us to do anything within the <laughs> next true. couple of years. And then, and just yeah, and then just last week, an old Cox friend of mine who's uh, you know went to uh, Intercom, then Odyssey, uh, you know, then ended up in Las Vegas for Odyssey. He's resigning. He's quitting as of last week. Um, so you know, big changes there. And there's as you know, there's big changes at, at Beasley in in Vegas. You know, the general manager Peter Burton resigned back in February. To move back to Orange County and leaving the business, apparently joining Stage 2 Capital, VC firm based in Orange County. His DOS quit and took a GSM job at Bonneville in San Francisco. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of shaking and baking going on in Vegas. In the meantime, you know, you had, so they, they did hire a new DOS uh, a week ago. It was kind of a journeyman from iHeartMedia. So, he, you know, he'll, he'll come in and settle things down a little bit on the sales side. But they still don't have a market manager. They've gone a couple of months without a market manager. We know how that works. Everybody takes a long time to fill that job. But our media insultant sources uncovered the fact that a, a real strong industry vet is overseeing Vegas for Beasley. I don't know if you know Mike Cutchell, but yeah. Mike Mike's uh, you know spent a lot of time in uh, in, t- in Houston, spent a lot of time in Phoenix, and he's overseeing the market for. Uh, for, for the Beasleys, and I'm thinking that uh, maybe there's been some underperforming and Kutchel was brought in to uh, kind of reevaluate the situation and uh, make the necessary moves. So what do you see? You see a market manager gone and your DOS is history. So it's like, whoa, okay, Kutch. Well, to that's go, a, buddy. And that's a, that's a tough market because um, the pandemic probably uh, scourged Las Vegas more than almost any other market in the country. Because it was so dependent on tourism, so getting back to normal is is a big hill to climb in a market like that. Keith, we are out of time. I know we could sit here and do this all day long, but nobody nobody would give a shit. Uh, but stick next a week, fork Keith, in us. We're done. <laughs> next week, Keith, are your car dealer accounts having a tougher time than you think? This is the backbone clientele for us in our business, and. I think we've discovered some things that indicate they're in more trouble than we think. We'll talk about that next week on Media Insultant, which is a production of InTown Media, and we do contract management for radio stations. You can find uh, the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Videos are on Vimeo, on the Media Insultant Showcase, and we drop a new show each Wednesday. So, Keith, you know, since we're not going to the NAB, and we can't sit down and have a cocktail because you're in L.A. and I'm in Seattle. I guess we'll just have a nice week anyway. So until next Wednesday, have a great week, my friend. You too, buddy. Talk to you soon. <laughs>